Hi, my name is Ken. I'm an alcoholic. And if you'll all join hands, we'll close in the usual way. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm with the village people. Why? What the hell's going on here? I, uh, I made myself some notes that I could read. I, uh, I know you're going to have a dance afterward, so I'll give you time to strap on your wacko magnet. And, uh, but I uh, don't want you to miss anything that's loose. Uh, <laughs> but I, I always like to look at the program because you can't make this stuff up. And the dance starts, I guess, at 10, runs to 1. Is that about it? And... Okay, these are the marathon meetings immediately following the dance. At 2 o'clock, in action. At 3.30, fear. At 5 o'clock, working with others. And at 7.30, spiritual experience. So... <laughs> this is really exciting. I want to thank Liz and Diane and all the folks on the committee, I think, for inviting me. And, uh, and I want to thank uh, Guy and Tim and Mark for being my host and taking me constantly for food. Uh, <laughs> here, here he comes now, Kermit. <laughs> 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 well, I, uh, I don't know. It must be in the air here or something. Uh, I was okay when I boarded the plane in San Diego. As, as, uh, as I got closer here, I thought, geez, you know, what a great name for convention. Sissy, sissy pa. And I can't wait to pronounce all the others later. I, uh, I was sitting there, I had some in my mind, but they were too pornographic, so I, I decided to skip over them. <laughs> the, uh, I'm really great to be around young people because it's nice to see people in AA who are breathing. Uh, you know, uh, you guys are the future of AA, and I, I don't know about anybody else, but out in our area, we have a lot of young people who are really active in AA, and I love to see them at meetings. And they're not all at a certain age, you know. We have a lot of young people in their 80s and 90s who are sober a long time, and they, they're just as young as anybody else, so it has nothing to do with age. It's where you are in your thinking. You know, it's like, can you let everybody into the boat at the same time? And if you can't, you're young. But if you can't see the, the benefit of that, then you've got to work more steps. Uh, you know, one of the big T-shirts uh, we have out in our area, these No Fear T-shirts, and the one I love the best is it says, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. You know, <laughs> you know? and uh, that's basically the way I see this thing. You know, life is like this. It's a, you know, it, it's a beat and it's over, and so you got to enjoy it. And and if you're sitting around trying to figure it out, asking the big W H Y question all the time, you have no idea what's going on. I don't know whether I was born an alcoholic. I don't care about that. All I know is that from the very beginning, from the time I was put on this earth, I was in a training program to get to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I was born into an Irish Catholic family that lived in a big city, which is like, a, you know, a Head Start program in AA, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's Irish, he's Catholic, yeah, give him a book, you know. You know? 
and, and the thing was, is when I was in school, they used to have rules on the board, and the rules said, you know, no chewing gum, no cheating in class, you know, that kind of stuff. And then I graduated from that, and I started going to other institutions. I went to parochial school for four years until something happened, and then I was no longer there. And then I started showing up in other institutions, and all the rules were on the wall there, like, you know, no talking in line, anything in your box pocket would be considered contraband. Uh, you know, so when I came to AA and they said, it's on the wall, I knew I was home. <laughs> you know, hey, it's on the wall. You know, all you got to do is follow these 12 steps, these 12 traditions, and, and do this stuff in your home. Plus the triangle. When I saw the triangle, I felt really excited about that, really excited, because I know in AA it means unity, you know, service and recovery. But in an Irish Catholic family, it means family, church, bar. You know, so, uh, <laughs> so, so I thought, God, you know, it, there's so many things here that I just trained for, you know. I don't know about you guys, but I did not get to Alcoholics Anonymous on a winning streak. You know, uh, I got here, I walked in, I was kind of like a psycho in a suit. You know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, <laughs> you know, I look like the poster child for county mental health, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I had a habit of scratching stuff that didn't itch. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I see things that weren't there. I'd go to sit where there was no chair. You know, I was ready when I got here. You know, I was ready. There was, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that this was a place for me because the people talk so dope, dopey. You know, like they would say things like, "Let go and let God." Let go of what? <laughs> you know, just, just let go. You know, turn it over. Turn what over? You know, you know, turn it over. You know. And I think, you know, why don't they get a different drumbeat or something? Because they just don't talk real good. And, and I used to watch the old timers. They didn't talk at all. They just grunted and pointed. Eh. Mm. You know? And people were running all over. It was like changing deck chairs on the Titanic. You know? Eh, you know? All the old time had to do was raise his hand and point. It was like, eh, and they'd be gone. And I thought, geez, this is an amazing deal for me. And when I got here, I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know anything about anything. The stuff I thought I knew I didn't apply. Didn't apply any place. Particularly didn't apply in AA. You know, this is a great program. This is a program where only losers can win. And the price of admission is your old ideas. And, and most people, they, they go through the first decade or two trying to figure that out. You know, it's not about what anybody did to you. It's about what you did to yourself with what they did to you. You know? And uh, out in San Diego now, we you know, like every place else, we have so many people who label everything. You know, they're so busy labeling everything, it's like labeling the waves, they miss the ocean. And now we got in San Diego a hotline. It's a San Diego hotline. You call it up and a voice comes on and says, you've reached the San Diego hotline. If you are obsessive compulsive, push one repeatedly. <laughs> 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 if, if you are codependent, have someone push two for you. <laughs> if you are multiple personalities, push three, four, five, and six. You know? <laughs> and if you're alcoholic who's paranoid, delusional, don't touch anything. We know where you are. We're coming to get you. You know. Like <laughs> You know, 
But this is the deal here. I mean, uh, you, you arrive in Alcoholics Anonymous, and, you know, the, it, everything is backwards here. The person who has the most time, you throw off. The person who has the newest time, everybody goes crazy for. You know? Uh, you got the least amount of time, you don't know anything, you only have a big book. <laughs> You've been here a hundred years, you know everything, you own four big uh, it's like I love that I love when I have these people here I came from an Italian neighborhood and and and, and does she know how to say good morning 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 <laughs> that's the way they say good morning in my neighborhood too. Hey, hey, yeah how's your morning hey good morning <laughs> Where do you see what we got for good afternoon? Huh? <laughs> you know, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and this is why I love to come out and do these things, because I love to hear people laugh. You know, I, I think sometimes we get so into working on problems, we forget that life is supposed to be enjoyed. You know, if every day you wake up and there's something else to do that's big, you know, you kind of, after a while, your whole life becomes a project, you know? And this is supposed to be a joke, you know? You know, this is a joke, you know? <laughs> and where the punchline, you know? I, one day God decided, hey, I don't have Lincoln Logs, I think I'll make alcoholics. Yeah, go, 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 go do this, yeah. Hey. And then he'd call his mom, hey, Ma, look what they're doing there. You can't believe these guys, <laughs> you know? Because we have a way of, of, of just getting in there and, and making something out of nothing, and nothing out of something, you know? And, and we do it with such ease. I mean, you, you watch alcoholics in action. Well, most of the time you watch them, they're thinking. They think they're in action, you know? You know? What alcoholics do best is think, you know? You know? That's why we have that chapter in the book, in the thinking, you know? Because we know that's when we, they're at their best. Just leave them alone and let them think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think this will work. You know? I mean, we want to be piano players in a marching band. I mean, that's, you know, that's, uh, we, we, you know, we got a mind that just constantly goes tilt. <laughs> and the funny thing is we all got here with the very best ideas we had. You know, like, oh, how'd you get it? I had the best idea I ever had, yeah. And I was listening to the other speakers, and most of what this program is about is remembering what you forgot. And what you forgot is everything is okay. And in forgetting everything is okay, you had to go out and try to create an atmosphere where it was okay, but it was already okay, so you were wasting your time. And when you get to Alcoholics Anonymous, Alcoholics helps you, Anonymous helps you remember what you forgot. You know, the whole program is kind of like summed up there in the first couple of lines on page 59 in the big book, and they read at all the meetings how it works, where it says, there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And that's really the whole deal. You know, uh, it, you know I love when people say, well, I'm trying to find God. Ah, okay, you know, hope you have a good day, you know? <laughs> you know? That's why in the big book, it doesn't talk so much about finding, it says becoming aware of what we forgot, remembering what we forgot, and that is that God is always here. It says, as we become conscious of his presence, we will lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. It doesn't say when he arrives, you know? <laughs> hey, it's right, okay, you know? You know? It, it's like we live, in the, we live in a different world. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing to me that we just have these perceptional problems. That's why Alanons, I feel sorry for Alanons. I feel for anyone who doesn't drink alcoholically and then tries to relate to an alcoholic, you know? 
the delusion has to be smashed that non-alcoholics can think like alcoholics. You know, they cannot because they want to start at one and go to two. <laughs> we want to start at one and say, hey, let's see where we go. You know, <laughs> there's no consistency. You know, it's kind of like the Al-Anon who came home from an Al-Anon meeting one night. She had a husband she could not keep sober. And he was sitting on the couch and she comes into the door and he says, where were you? She said, I was at an Al-Anon meeting. He said, how come you're so late? She said, I stopped by the pet store. He said, don't tell me you bought a pet. She said, yeah, I bought a monkey. He says, what is that monkey going to eat? She said, the same thing we eat. He said, where's that monkey going to sleep? She said, in bed with us. He said, what about the smell? She said, hey, I got used to it, so will the monkey. You know, it's, 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 you know, that's the way, you know, it's like the mind. You, you, we're off in another place, you know. We're in Sacramento visiting San Francisco. You know, that's just the way we are. It's, it's like we have no relationship to anything that's going on. So when I knew when I got here that this was a good shot for me, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I drank stuff that not only hit the spot, it removed it. You know, like, it was like, uh, you know, it was like, uh, I had, I had absolutely, I, I grew up in a household. My mom used to look at the, uh, the beer can, and I'd be sitting in the chair, you know, <laughs> and she'd look at the beer can, and she'd look at me, and she says, I can't see what ingredients are in here that make you so stupid. You know, I don't know what they put in here that makes you this stupid, you know? And, and she loved me. I mean, my mom loved me. I mean, but she used to, because I would be like, you know, I'd be visiting when I lived there. You know what I mean? She'd be talking like somehow I was really there. And I would be like, you know, popping in, you know, up, cut like the, and then try to make a sentence out of it. You know, like, but... Uh, but God love her, she never gave up on me, and she knew that the worst thing that could happen for me was to think. So when she came through the living room, if I was thinking, she'd turn on the TV. You know, like, don't, don't, don't just sit there. Because my mom just knew me so well, she knew that I had the capacity to get a bad idea going and then interrupt it with a worse one. And so her deal was to say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't do that. You know, don't hurt yourself like that. Don't think that much. And so when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, thank God no one told me to think. They just told me to start taking these actions. You know, do this action, do this action, do this action. And, and in doing these actions, and then they always used to point to the steps. That's the answer. You know, the steps are the answer. So I came and I looked at those steps. Now, I feel sorry for the people who got three, the three books tonight because, you know, in the beginning, this is like coming to Disneyland. You know, you don't know what the E-Ride is. You don't know what Magic Mountain is. You don't know anything, you know. Like, and you're here, and you're like listening to people, and they all have an opinion, and none of it's yours, you know? And one person's telling you, if you want to stay over, this is what you got to do, the other, this is what you got to do. And then sooner or later, someone says, you got to work those steps. You got to take those steps. No matter what's going on in your life, you've got to be taking the steps, because if you're not, everything else becomes immaterial. If you are not taking the steps, then everything else is immaterial. The answer to life is to live it one day at a time. You know, sometimes people get the idea that they got to figure out tomorrow and they have no idea what's going on today. And they're worried about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. I don't even know if God made tomorrow, you know. But I know he made today and that's the day we're in. And the whole idea is to focus on this. You know, some people think that there are three tenses. There's past, present, and future. There really isn't. There's past and future. The present is all the time. It's not part of time. It's something very, very different. When you're living in the present, you don't care about anything else. And instead of living horizontally, like, 
you know, like the past and the future goes A, B, C. It's, it's like it runs out this way. It's like a horizontal kind of thing. It's lineal, whatever you want to say about it. But when you live in the present, you're living vertically. And instead of it being A to B, it's A, deeper A, deeper A, deeper A. And you get a chance to figure out that you don't have to know anything. You know, that takes a big burden off of most people. You know, there's a very fine line between acceptance and surrender. You know, defeat and surrender. You know, people say, there's a very fine line between serenity and just not giving a shit. You know? <laughs> so what do you think? I don't know. I either got serenity or I just don't care. You know, I, you know, after a while, we get so into these terms, we lose track of what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is live heartbeat to heartbeat in the moment. And, and we miss out on that. And we get caught up in all this other stuff. And that's why when you read the book, the book tells us what's going on. You know, it talks about relations. Make sure that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. This is one of the facts for us, is that if we are trying to maintain a relationship with a power greater than ourselves, then things kind of work out. If I were to go around this room individually and ask you, if you had one hand stronger than the other, most people in this room would say they do. You know, if I were to say to you, if you were to Indian wrestle with someone, which hand would you use? Which hand is your stronger hand? How many think it's their right hand? Okay. How many think it's their left hand? Good. About, about almost um, even. Now, if you push your hands together like this and push as hard as you can, what you'll find out is it's neither hand. Neither hand. And the reason being is that all the power to change is being met by an equal power not to change. And all the power is coming from one place. So our ability to change anything is, is just not existent. What we do here is we become aware, we become enlightened, you know, we become conscious. And all we're doing is recognizing what was there all along. And when you get here after a while, you stop that struggle of trying to change and you accept yourself just the way you are, where you are, and then you start the process of waking up. Most of what we go through here is waking up, you know. It talks about we don't learn a whole bunch of new stuff in AA. We unlearn a bunch of old stuff, stuff that doesn't work, stuff that never worked, but stuff that kind of slows you down, you know. And you get into living moment to moment, and, and then life takes on a whole new deal. You know, there's a guy in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we talk a lot about uh, Dr. Silkworth in the beginning of the book, as well we should. But in the back of the book, there's a thing called the medical view. And it mentions a doctor by the name of Dr. Bauer. And Dr. Bauer says that the two things alcoholics need to do is, one, not drink. And the second thing is get involved in working with other people. Because when they do that, they sometimes, he uses the word often, they often overcome their excessive concentration on themselves. You know? When we say, what's the disease here? It's EC, excessive concentration. Who are you thinking about? Me. And how long are you going to do that? Indefinitely. And when are you going to think about anybody else? Probably never, you know. And that's, that's where we are. We're all focused. When you go to meetings, that's what people are sharing. I wish sometimes they would tape every meeting and force anyone who shared at that meeting to take home the tape and listen. When people are talking, they, have a, they say the greatest, most powerful things. It's too bad they're not listening. I was at a meeting the other day, and this is not, this could be any day of the week, because this happens to at least once or twice a week to me in meetings. I'll hear someone say something like this. 
you know, I haven't been to a meeting in four months, and, and, it, and it's really bad. And I'm here today, and I'm so glad I'm here because when I come to meetings, I always feel much better. Okay, let's go slow here. You come to meetings, you always feel much better. You're coming back tomorrow. Oh, no, tomorrow i got to go somewhere. You know, so you say, well, why don't you listen when you're sharing? I, I, I never went to a meeting where I didn't feel better than when I got there. I wish I went to more. You know? I always feel it's going to take a person like that about a half hour to alphabetize a bag of M&Ms. You know, like, a, you know, are you, are you, you know? I, are you not listening to this stuff, you know? You're saying some great stuff. I wish you could tune in on some of it, you know? Because that's what you need to hear. You know, this works when you do the action. Some people think that when they're thinking, they're doing something. Thinking is what you do when you don't want to take action. Because thinking believes, leads you to believe you're doing something when, in fact, you're doing absolutely nothing. You know, if you're thirsty, you can think all about, I know where the water is, I know where the ice is, I know where a cup is, but if you don't move, nothing happens. You know, and that's what this is about, taking actions. And the actions here are all simple actions. It's like get up in the morning, you know, the alarm goes off, you get out of bed. Ooh, is that exciting. <laughs> you know, and then you get on with the day, you know. I have a chicken alarm clock. And... When it goes off in the morning, it's like a 60s chicken. It has these little glasses that come down over its eyes and has a guitar. And when my alarm goes off in the morning, it says, Hey, baby, wake up. Come and dance with me. <laughs> and then it goes, Wow, you know. And that, you know, it's kind of hard to stay in bed when you hear that. You know, like, yeah. You know, it's like you're motivated to get up. And now that you're up, you want to go do something. You know, like you want to go screw something up. You don't want to lose your skills. You know, like, you know, let me get out there and go do something. You know, and, and, and I, uh, I like coming to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings because I always feel better when I leave. I always feel better. You know, as the big book says, when the alcoholic drinks, something happens. And when I come to meetings, something happens. I don't know what it is. It's like, no matter what kind of a day it is, no matter how much went on that I didn't appreciate, all of a sudden I'm excited about it because it's like I'm seeing people that I know and we're laughing and we're telling jokes and, and I'm involved in the process. And then we do the meeting. And I always know when the meeting is starting because someone will say, you know, we're going to read chapter 5 and this is how it works. And someone will start out by saying, rarely, you know, have we seen a person fail. And like the whole room kind of just knows this is the beginning of the meeting. And it doesn't matter where you go in the United States, that's the way they basically start the meetings. And I get to know that I'm home no matter where I am when they start that. This is home. This is home for me. And it's a chance to be part of the meeting again. And I watch people who will tell you that meetings are good and they enjoy them and they get a lot out of them. They just don't go to them. They find other things to do. They stay home, watch Slipper Vision, you know. Uh, you know, it's like, well, yeah, you know, I'd like to come, but, you know, you know, some show that I'm interested in is on tonight, you know. And that's why I don't get into watching a whole lot of TV because if, TV never kept me sober. And then someone said, there's a show on TV that's just like AA. Well, why would I want to watch a show that's just like AA when I go to AA? I mean, some of the stuff that goes on is, is unbelievable. But it's not just me. You know, I notice that kind of stuff. 
Like, I, you know, that just seems to be people's minds. We flew in here uh, this Friday night, and we landed at the Cincinnati airport, which is in Kentucky. <laughs> you know? Somebody was telling me about the great, great Fourth Street meeting, which is on Ninth Street. <laughs> you know? Okay, you know, this is... They just built Manhattan College in the Bronx, you know? A couple of months ago, I landed in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's airport is called Will Rogers. It's named after a guy who died in a plane crash, you know? <laughs> you wonder, who does this stuff? You know, like, who does this stuff? That's why when people say to me, well, you know, there's us and then there's the normal people out there. There are no normal people. There are absolutely no. You turn on the TV during the daytime. Stay home one day and watch TV in the daytime. And, and you'll find out there are no normal people, you know. There are just people who haven't shared with you yet, you know. <laughs> and as soon as they start sharing, they're like, yeah, honey, I love you, but, you know. <laughs> You know, it's, it's just that way. You wonder, what is going on? And I get, to, you know, I get to be a part of this because as you stay in one place longer and longer, you get a chance to see more and more people come into AA. And you get a chance to see wonderful things happen. We had the international convention out in our area over this past summer. There's a t-shirt from it, right? Yeah. And, and we got to meet, as those of us who were on the host committee, we got to meet people from all over the world, from Poland, from Russia, from all parts of Africa and all parts of Asia. And it was just an amazing thing to see what other people have to go through to get to meetings, to get access to books. You know, we, we just didn't know some of this stuff went on. The guys in Russia said, we do not take fifth steps. You say, why? You say, as soon as you tell someone what you're thinking, the police come. <laughs> you know, like, so we do the fourth step and go right to the sixth step. You know, like we skip right over that. And so you realize that in different countries, that things, are, things are a little bit different. And the reality is, is they're in the process of changing, but that change is, has already occurred here. You know, I, hear, I love young people because they create an energy all their own. You know, you folks hopefully create an energy all your own. You know, I, I'm around sometimes people and, and they tell me they stop playing because they're growing old. That's why you grow old, because you stop playing, you know. <laughs> You know, so you get out there and you screw things up and you say yes when you don't have any idea where you're going. You want to go? Yeah. Yeah. You take part in life. You know, it's, it's not like saying no to everything. You know, the worst thing you can do and the most dangerous thing you can do in life is try to live safely. Because this thing is, this thing is going to be happening to you all the time. Life is not waiting around for you to come up with an answer. You know, I, I tell new guys, and I'm sponsoring a psychiatrist, I always share this because the poor guy, he doesn't know anything, you know, like, I mean, he talks real good, but I have him making coffee with a guy at a meeting, and the guy never graduated from grade school, and the guy always calls me up and says, he's so stupid, Cal, I don't understand this guy. <laughs> I say, we got to put in 25 things of coffee, he says, why? Because that's the way they told me. <laughs> We got to set the chairs up like this. Why? You know, it's like some people want to know why to everything. And the end result is, is that they, they, they don't find out anything. You know, while you're asking why, you could have done it. And then you'd have your own experience. And that's why I love Alcoholics Anonymous, because I never belonged to anything where they told you as much as they do in here to go get your own experience. 
You know, in every religion, and I have no qualms with any religion because they all do a good job, but in religion they tell you what you should believe, and if you don't believe that, then they tell you you're lacking in faith. Here they tell you, go and try it. Get your own experience, and then see where you are with it. You know, God as you understand him. And, and I like that because there was a lot of things that I grew up with. I'm not at argument with them today, but they didn't work for me. And I didn't think they would ever that religion or spirituality would ever work for me because I just thought, well, I can't be as good as some of these people, you know. And, and, I, and then when I got here, I mean, I was hanging out with guys who could use a four-letter word in one sentence and God in the same sentence, you know. And you say, wow, this is interesting, you know. And, and you watch these old-timers and they, and they have a language all their own. It's the language of the heart. And as you hear longer, you realize this is not about thinking about anything. It's just about doing it's about being involved in life on a daily basis. And it's also about reaching a point where you come to the realization you don't have to know anything. All you have to do is be in process. And that scares a lot of people. Just scares a lot of people. And fortunately for me, I hang out with guys that are not bright. You know? And so my own ignorance goes almost unnoticed. <laughs> you know? No, I hang out with guys that, you know, they look at you and they figure, well, you know, this is the way we do it, you know. And I, and I went to a parochial school after I left, after I left public, uh, I mean, I went to a public school after I left parochial school. And I started running numbers in the neighborhood and, and uh, in Brooklyn. And anyway, these guys used to come up to you and I was failing in school. I was failing math in school. And the teacher who was teaching me, and this is in no way putting her down because she was a great teacher, but she was making about three grand a year teaching me at that time. I was running numbers making about five, and I was failing math. And so, you know, I thought if I stay in much school much longer, I'll go broke, you know, like, <laughs> my deal was get out there, you know. And then I had a science teacher who told me, you know, it takes 24 hours to, for something to get through your system. Absolutely no food or liquid can get through your system in less than 24 hours. So I figure, hey, you know, they never heard of Thunderbird. You know, like, <laughs> Thunderbird, <laughs> about 11 and a half minutes. It's like, wow, you, you talk about your basic sharing. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know? And, and so the, the bottom line was with me, I, I just had my own way of seeing things that just didn't fit in with what else was going around. And then when I got here, I realized it was perception. I didn't deal with reality. Several of the speakers mentioned that, and I can agree with that. I didn't deal with reality. I would hear something and then relate it to an idea in my head. And that, you know, one of the toughest things to tell a newcomer and to share with them, not tell them necessarily, but to share with them is that belief is not reality. You know, it doesn't make any difference what you believe. Reality is reality, you know, and, and if you step off a building, I don't care who you're praying to, and you're on the 10th floor, there's a law called gravity, and it doesn't check with anybody, you know. <laughs> you just do a splat number on the concrete, and that's called reality, gravity. But, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, if you watch and you stay here and you become conscious and you become enlightened, and you stay on this path, you'll start to see people fall up. And the book talks about that. It talks about people who rise above their problems in life. You know, and not that they don't get the same problems as everybody else, they just start to rise above them. 
those problems don't, don't seem to tear them down because they remember that there is one who has all power. And as long as they remember there's one who has all power, then they don't have to come up with the answer. If you could keep a clear head in a crisis, what you would realize is that all fear and anxiety comes from one place. It comes from forgetting there's one who has all power. You feel alone and that you have to come up with the answer on your own. And not being able to come up with the answer, you just get overwhelmed. And what AA says is, hey, you know, we all felt that way. So just relax. Don't get, don't get caught up behind that stuff. And you'll, what you'll come to realize is that that's just a phase of what you're going through. And the reality for me is that most of the time now, I have a way of just for myself keeping at peace. You know, I go through a whole set of steps in the morning and in the evening that keep me at peace. Now, that doesn't mean I don't get knocked out during the day. You know, I'm out in California where there's a lot of wackos. You know, people said, how do they get there? I said, I think it's the topography of the United States. You know, if you're loose in any other part of the country, you kind of roll to the west. <laughs> you know, and, and so anything that's loose, we kind of get, you know. And I'm down in San Diego, which is the southern part, which is like the, the eight pocket, you know, <laughs> come on down there. And, you know. <laughs> And, and suddenly you're surrounded by people that, you know, you say, ooh, you know, they make Star Trek music every time they move, ooh, you know. <laughs> and, and you're wondering, oh, you know, I hope, I hope they're on the other side of the street and not behind me, you know. And I go to meetings where, you know, the nice part about it is that we get people come in from all over. And they come in in all sizes and shapes and colors and backgrounds. And the bottom line is, is when they get here, if they stay long enough, they realize there's no difference. You know, it doesn't make any difference how you got here. We're all in the same boat now. <laughs> like, and, and in Alcoholics Anonymous, more than any other place, we seem to have figured that out. The rest of the country sometimes has trouble with it. But here it's like, you know, we have a guy in our area and he says, we don't care if you're straight or gay, black or white, you know, rich or poor, you have a good job, a bad job, or no job at all. You know, like, you're welcome here. And, and, and that's the truth, because this is the starting point. This is the starting point. And the starting point here is, you know, into the steps. The steps is where it's at. When somebody says, I'm having trouble, one of the first things maybe to ask them is, you know, are you working these steps? Are you taking these steps? And you'll find out a lot of times folks are doing other things. They're trying other things. I'm doing something that's almost like AA. You know, it looks like AA. It's better than AA. It only cost me four grand, you know. And, and when you come here, you realize that this thing works and it's a freebie. You know, for a dollar a pop, this is the greatest show on earth. You know, I sit at meetings sometimes and I think, can you imagine if you ever wanted to take over a country? You know, this was exactly the group you would take with you. You know, like, you know, like not only would they be able to take it over, but, you know, they don't know how to let go of anything. You don't it forever. You know, like, you know, this is like, this would be like, this is ours, like, we could take over some little country and it'd be ours, like, it'd be AA country, you know, like, you're going to give it back? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And then we have people coming along in training who'll never give it back. I'm even more selfish than they are, you know. Like, yeah. And so, and that's why I, I love coming to meetings and seeing all kinds of people because, you know, I, I, I like to tell this story because... It showed me right away. When I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I was back on the East Coast. 
I got sober in July of 70. And they had just had a lot of riots and stuff in the city over the summer, and the city was in turmoil. And I, my sponsor said to me, he said, wherever you hear God, or you think you hear God, go there. And so I happened to be in a community that was predominantly a black community. And I heard this church, Mount Pisgah Baptist Church, and there were the people in there were singing. And I thought, I hear God in there. Now, the sidewalk was covered with glass from burned-out buildings, and National Guard had been in. And, you know, I felt I heard God in there. So I went in, and these folks just enveloped me. And they said, you want to come to service here? I said, yeah. So they sat me down front, and I went back to that church for three months. I took a couple of guys from AA. They said, you're going over there to church? I said, yeah. And what happened was, I learned an awful lot. I learned that if you're in some place for the right reason, people love you. They just even know you're there. They knew, they knew right away I was crazy. You know, I just had that crazy look, like, you know. And, but I, the people were so nice. And, and I went to that church, and I felt like that was where God was. And they had a minister. I came from a Catholic church where they said, sort of, like that, you know. And this was a church where it was like Reverend Ike, you know. And, and this guy would say things like, He's out of work. She's out of work. It's going to be all right. And, and I knew it was going to be all right. I said, God damn it, yeah, it's going to be all right. You know? <laughs> I mean, I get caught up in it. Say, You're right. I finally found a place where they know it's going to be all right. You know? And I kept going back there. And, and, and when I finally decided that I was going to go to another area, uh, I told the folks that. And, uh, and they were just happy. They were just happy for me. And then I got to meet a lot of the folks from that church later on in AA. And, and you know, the funny thing about Alcoholics Anonymous, and the book says this very clearly, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere. Because you're not going there except for the right reason. I went there because I truly felt I heard God in that church. And today I go wherever I please. I don't let anybody else tell me where I should or shouldn't be. You know, I happen to live in New York, and when Malcolm when Malcolm X was speaking, and I heard him say something, it always rung in my ears, and, and he said, it's not what people call you, it's what you answer to. And, you know, I love that saying, because all of my life, people just call me kind of crazy, you know? People used to sit in rooms and decide what they were going to do with me, like, well, I don't know. And, and it was like, they were talking about me like I wasn't there. And I wasn't, you know? <laughs> I mean, to some degree, they were right. I go, <laughs> And I used to bet, like, which ones were going to support me and which ones were going to ax me, you know? And, and I remember standing, like, sometimes in front of a judge, and he'd say, well, how do you want to plead? And all I wanted to know is what the, the deal was. You know, I had no knowledge of what was going on. You know, they would arrest me with a Clint Eastwood attitude. And then I would wake up with a Don Knotts personality. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I would have no idea what was going on. You know, and it was like people would just look at you like this boy, you know, this boy's out to lunch, you know. <laughs> and I remember my sponsor, he used to just say, well, you better come to the house and we'll go to meetings together, you know, like, and I'd go over his house and he'd take me to meetings. And, and he kept me involved. And no matter what was going on, he kept me close to him. And if you don't know what a good sponsor is, we have a, we have a pamphlet that tells you what a good sponsor is. A good sponsor is someone who has they say, a year or more of sobriety, and someone who looks like they're enjoying their sobriety. You know, you don't want someone who looks like, you know, uh, 
he's a serial killer. You know, like, a, you know, yeah, I hate everybody. I've been here 10 years, never found anybody I like, you know. Yeah, that's really not the guy you want to say, hey, would you, would you share with me, you know, and be my sponsor, you know, you know, you know, who has born to kill on this arm and hate everybody on that arm, you know, like that's, yeah, that's not the guy you want, you know. You want some guy who kind of looks like, <laughs> I just came from county mental health, you know, right? <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> And, and, and I'm willing to share with you what I got here. You know? That's the guy you want. And you want your sponsor to know that he's the messenger of AA. He's not the author of the message. You know, He's just there to bring you the message. And, and fortunately, I hung out with these guys. And, and the thing I liked about AA is if you had one day more than somebody else, you could help them. Guys used to say, well, what can I do? And they'd say, well, take them to a meeting. But I don't know what goes on. Who cares? You go together. You know? What kind of a deal is this? And then I remember when I got a car. I mean, it was a big thing, getting a car. And I would think, like, geez, now i got to buy insurance now because I didn't have any insurance on this car. And I was like, and I thought, like, I hope nobody hits me because in the city, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people have a habit running into you. And the cars on the street, sometimes they're so banged up, they leave signs now that say, this is not an abandoned vehicle, you know, like, because they're all banged up. And I would get this guy, this little slob job in my car, and I'd be worrying about my insurance, and then he'd start talking about wanting to throw up. And suddenly, my problems changed, you know, like, I didn't care whether I had insurance or not. I'm just, oh, oh please, God, let him just hold on till we get to the meeting, you know. And, and you know, I'd say, open the window, you know, <laughs> do this, do that, and, and then I'd be hoping we could make it. And then, you know, I got to take people to meetings that weren't much further behind than me. And in the process of doing that, it came to me one night very clearly that I was being of service. Now, it wasn't like I sat down and said, I'm going to be of service. It was just like I started doing things, and then in the process of doing them, I found out what I was doing. And it got to be real easy for me to call somebody and say, do you want to go to a meeting? And I found out that when we go to meetings, there's something that goes on in the car going to a meeting. You solve things. <laughs> Nobody knows, but everybody knows. You know, like, people will talk for five minutes in a car and then at the end say, ah, but I don't know. <laughs> you know? You'll be sitting on the edge of your seat like, wow, you know, this guy really knows something. And then after about, ah, I don't, but I don't know anything. Well, you know, I don't know. It never worked for me that way, but, you know, you know, someone told me that's the way you're supposed to do it, you know? And, and, and then they'd say clever things like, you don't have to swing at every pitch. What are you talking about? You know, you know, it's okay to be in left field. That was. What do you mean it's okay to be in left field? You know, yeah, at least we're in the ballpark. You know, what the, you know, like, alcoholics have a language that's all their own. You know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. How do you win? Ah, you surrender. Yeah, yeah. How you surrender? That's how you win. Oh, how do you keep it? Oh, you give it away. Yeah. You know. It's like being a county mental health, except you don't have wallets. You know, you're not working on anything. It's like you're just, you're just kind of following the conversation. And, and, and then you hear guys say stuff, and, and then every now and again somebody will say something, and, and it just sticks with you. And it gets you through that night, or it gets you through the next day. And you wouldn't have heard it had you not been there. And the old timers used to say things like, if you want to get hit by a train, go down and play by the tracks. You want to get Alcoholics Anonymous, go to meetings. These guys are 
deep. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, you know, like, wow. It doesn't get much deeper than that, you know. Like, and then, then the book, you read the book, the book is so specific. When the alcoholic drinks, something happens. I wish you wouldn't give me so many facts to work with, you know, like, uh, so what happens when I drink? Something, you know, you know, and you, and you say to yourself, this goes on all the time, and I think that's what happens to the old timers, they just lose it, you know, yeah. they've heard it all so much, they go, ah, uh, you know, they don't have to say the words anymore, everybody kind of just follows the finger, give them the finger, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and 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 you and you think you know as somebody described the you know there's like there's clouds and billows or there used to be of smoke and coffee and people laughing and you think nobody knows anything you know you know absolutely nobody knows it and every now and again you'll get someone who does know and they're the most terrifying you know because I'll know you know and then you find out they don't know either. And that's why I go to meetings. I go to meetings because I need them like speed bumps. They slow me down in the course of the day. No matter what else is going on, if I go to a meeting, I just sit there and feel like, this is good, I'm home. And I get enough charge that I can go out and do other stuff. And then after a while, you realize you bring the meeting out with you. You start carrying it into, your, into the day with you. You start acting the way they're talking about. You know? I remember when my wife and I first got back together, we were separated for about 18 months first 18 months I was sober and, and you know like there was a big party and you know sometimes Al-Anon's come up with these ideas you wonder where they get them and and there was a lot of noise you know there was a lot of noise at the party so you know, I knew what to do I started throwing some shells in the gun and and uh, <laughs> I figured we go discuss the noise you know you know and and my wife said why don't you call the police <laughs> You mean and tell them where we are? You know, like, yeah. She said, why don't you call the police? So, geez, I mean, I, I was shaking. I picked up the phone. I, you know, I called the police. And I said, we told them who I was and what was going on. And they came and they knocked at the door and they wanted to know what was going on. And I told them and they went down and they broke the party up. And the next day I was at an AA meeting and somebody said, there's a lot of noise in your complex last night. I said, yeah, there sure was. What did you do? I mean, you were with your gun and... I called the police. <laughs> That's what they get paid for. And my sponsor walked by and said, rigorous honesty, you know. Uh, the guy said, whose idea is that? Well, you know who I am. Intuitive thought. It just came to me out of the ether, you know. That thought would have never come to me out of the ether if I was the ether, you know, like, you know, like, that would have never come to me. Call the police. I mean, no, 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 no. The idea was to try to tiptoe away and not get caught, you know. I had a habit when I was drinking of finding things before people officially lost them. And, uh, and uh, you know, so me and the police, you know, we just, we just didn't do good together. I remember the first time I was pulled over in a routine stop at Christmas and I got out of the car and put my hands on the hood. <laughs> and the guy said, no, it's a routine check. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the only thing the cop ever said to me was assume the position. You know, like, uh, this was it. I didn't know they knew other words, so I thought that was it. You know, and get in the car, you know. But the deal was, is when I came here, 
and I started through these steps, some unbelievable things started to happen. I could stay here until God called us both home and tell you what they are, but I don't have to because if you're taking the steps, you're going through the same experience. What happens on the outside is just a happening, and how it relates to you inside becomes the experience. You know, the book talks about transformation. We get transformed here, psychic change, whatever words you want to use to describe it. But the end result is you no longer go at life like a road warrior, you know. You know, I didn't have any middle ground in my life. You know, I'd go, my, my, my emotional thermometer went from na 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 to... I'm here. You know, you know, you know, I, I, I somehow didn't have a middle ground, you know. Uh, so, so it was like I, 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 used to, I used to have to skip over the middle. And now today it's like, you know, as, as you hear people say, and it's, I'm getting to be just as wishy as the rest of them, you know, my highs aren't as high and my lows aren't as low. And the reason for that is because when things start to go, I immediately try to remember what I forget, and that is I'm powerless. And nobody likes to admit you're powerless. You know, admitting you're powerless is like being voted most attractive in your cell block. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things you don't go out and try to capture. You know, uh, you know. That's why they used to never have horoscopes in prison. The last thing you want to read is "Love is in the air today." You know, like, oh, I think I'll pass. You know. But the bottom line for, for me was is that as, as, I, as I come here and I become part of the laughter, and that's what the book talks about. You know, it talks about Alcoholics Anonymous. We are not a glum lot. If newcomers could not see us laughing and enjoying, they wouldn't want to come back. Who'd want to come back if it looks like a wake? You know? Yeah, I stopped drinking. I'm really happy, you know? You know? You know, and the guy looks like a hemorrhoid. You know, uh, 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 no, no. Who'd want to be that guy? You know, I wouldn't want to volunteer for that deal. But if I come in and, you know, you're scratching and laughing and nobody knows anything, I feel at home, you know. I feel real welcome. And it doesn't matter what you're saying. I feel part of it because I, I know that laughter is the answer. You know, because laughter allows you, laughter allows you the opportunity to not think because I know you cannot laugh and think at the same time. It's impossible. So every time we're laughing, we're not thinking. And that's great. The last thing you want an alcoholic to say is, I've been thinking, you know. <laughs> you know? That's why Alanons go to meetings. <laughs> you know? Just take it easy, Charlie. I'll be back in a bit, you know. <laughs> Let me just handcuff you to the bed, you know. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the deal here. And you have to read the book for yourself because if you let somebody interpret that book for you, then you could get caught up thinking a lot of things are Alcoholics Anonymous that are not Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a lot of folks that share stuff and there's nothing, I'm not attacking those people, but they share stuff that has nothing to do with Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, maybe you should look at this and maybe you should look at that. And in the area of sex, I love that. You know, like, no sex for the first year. What? You know? You keep the average alcoholic away from sex for a year, by the time he gets back, he'll forget who gets tied up, you know, like, <laughs> you know, he, he just won't remember, like, <laughs> do you get the rope or me, you know, I, uh, uh. but, you know, it doesn't say that, it says that you read through there and it says what, that God will be the final judge.
God is always the final judge. This has nothing to do with anybody else. This has to do with me and God. I go to Alcoholics Anonymous to remind me of that. That's why I go there, that you guys don't have the power, but thank God you're here because you remind me that there is one who has all power. And I'm in this world to play the role he assigns, and to the degree that I play that role, I'm able to match serenity with calamity. You know, I'm, I'm able to live a life that I could never live before. I live a life today where people actually come to my home and visit. I live a life today where I'm involved with all kinds of people in all areas. And I enjoy it. I get, to, I get to sample life. It's like a smorgasbord. I have no resentments. I have no hang-ups about what other people are doing, you know, as long as they're doing life, you know. I feel sorry for some of the animals, not for human beings, you know. I was looking the other day. I run in this little park, and I thought people just stop and feed the squirrels. And we got a few rats out there, and I thought, God, if I was a rat, I'd have a hell of a resentment, you know. <laughs> You know, I'm just a I'm just a bushy tail away from a from a luau, like you know, like you know, uh, people are feeding those those squirrels, but they're trying to shoot those rats, you know. I, and I think, geez, you know, like, uh, you know, that's the kind of mind I have. I see this, thing, you know. So I have to remind myself that that there's one who has all power, and that's what we do when we pray and we meditate. All prayer and meditation is is helping us to remember that we don't have the power that there is one who has all power. And, you know, this is not true, but if there were no God at all, praying would be good. Because praying would be saying, I don't have it. And that's what I need to hear. I get afraid when I'm left with only me to come up with my answer. That's when I get afraid, because I'm thinking, I don't know the answer. i got to work something out, and I don't know how to work it out, and I don't have any tools to work it out. And if you left me here forever, you know, my answer would be so off the wall that it would scare all of us. And so I go to a meeting and someone says, you don't have to know the answer. You just have to do these steps. And your answer will come to you in due time. You know, God doesn't work off of your clock. He works off his own clock, you know. And he, and he has his own time frame. And sometimes you have to go through that pain so you can understand some gain, you know. And it's not about being at war with anything, it's surrendering to everything and realizing that's what we do. When we say the serenity prayer, that's what we do. We take the first three steps. The first part of the serenity prayer deals with the first step, you know, serenity. And then the, 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 the courage deals with the second step and wisdom deals with the third step. And that's what we do. We're doing the steps. We're in the step process. It doesn't make any difference how conscious we are. If we keep doing it, after a while, it just becomes a part of us. And we know that in time of crisis, this is what I do. You know, I fly a lot, go into conventions and just fly in business a lot. And I know that when we hit turbulence, it's a set procedure. A red light comes on and the pilot says, please return to your seat. We're hitting some turbulence. So you go and you sit down, you put your seatbelt on, and you ride like that until you clear out of the turbulence. In AA, we go to meetings, we sit down, we put the steps and the traditions around us, and we get on with our lives. And life gets real simple here. You know, you don't have to figure anything out. It's, it seems as though the more you think, <laughs> the heavier the load. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, it's like the little kids, you know, the little kids swim at the shallow end of the pool when people say to me, life is so deep. I always say, well, come down to shallow end with me and the kids, you know. <laughs> you know, you don't have to even swim. You can stand up, you know. You don't. <laughs> 
And if you're at the shallow end, the water's always warmer. You know, like, and, and so the deal is, is, come on down here, you know, come on down here. Because the kids just know. They don't have to figure anything out. You know, I remember saying to a kid one time, why are you scratching your head? He said, because I'm the only one who knows it itches. You know? <laughs> See? They're in, they're in that perfect state of neutrality. You know, like in step 10, it talks about that perfect state of neutrality. It, you know, we don't have to go this way or that way. Whatever way we go, it's okay. We have a lady out in our area, and she was at a meeting the other day, and she told a story I had never heard before. And she told how when she lived in Montana, she and her husband, who was also an alcoholic, had a fight. And she was riding down off of this mountain. And as she came down off of this mountain, there was sheep crossing the road. And she wanted to get through this, and she was angry, so she got out of her car, and she went in the sheep, amongst the sheep, and she started yelling and screaming. And just then the shepherd came down, who happened to be a female. And the woman said to her, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm trying to get through here. And the woman started to laugh, and the woman said, you know, sheep are just like problems. If you put yourself in the middle of them and scream and yell and try to force your way, you don't get anything accomplished. She said, but if you get back in that car and you just move ahead real slow, even these sheep are, done, are smart enough to get out of your way. You know, and that's the deal here. You know, we move ahead at a, at a little pace and we keep moving forward. And as we go through, we get what we need to know. And then what we find out is that our perception on almost everything is wrong. You know, I go to enough meetings when, when people are new, you hear them say things like, uh, uh, when I first got here, I lost everything. It's always a sad story, you know. <laughs> I lost everything. <laughs> I don't have anything, you know. And I said the same thing, you know. I was just as wishy. I said the same thing. And now, after being here over 25 years, I can tell you this, that the, the everything I lost has turned out to be nothing. And the nothing I was left with has turned out to be everything. You know, what I have today is just what I need. And I couldn't have told you that 10 or 15 years ago because I didn't know it then. I can't share my experience with you until I have it. You know, and so I have to go through these days and these dark nights sometimes in order to get to where I'm going. You know, and you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, I, had a, I had a son who was 29 years old who was traveling around the world. He was doing just what he wanted to do, and he was enjoying life to the hilt. And I got a call that he was in Norway at the time. They were sending him home. He was real sick. And he arrived home in July of 1993, in the early part of July, and he was in full-blown AIDS. And by September, he was dead. And while I had him, and I had raised him as a single parent in his teen years, and I got a chance to watch him lose his hair, his weight, his eyesight, his hearing, and eventually his mind. And in the process of watching that, I learned more about life than I ever knew before because I could see how very important each moment is and that there's no time to waste. And he had enjoyed his life. And when he died, he died knowing that he had lived the life he wanted. And he also died saying, you know, Dad, this is okay. This is something I can do. I hope you guys can, can get on with life. And in the process of dying, he came down with neuropathy real bad, and that's when your nerves are, are, are all chewed up. And, and he crawled on the floor. 
And in order to crawl on the floor, he had lost so much weight, he had gone from 100, he was 6'4", he had gone from 190 pounds down to about 85 pounds. And I, and I put blankets and comforters and pillows there because he wanted to maintain his dignity and go to the bathroom. And so he crawled on the floor. And as a parent, there was no training in AA or otherwise that could prepare me for that. Watching this boy who I love, 29 years old, who I had seen so healthy, crawling on the floor just to go to the bathroom. And then getting in there and, and going and then having to stay there like an hour because he'd have to build up his energy to crawl back. And I, and I sat there and it hit me so very, very clearly that he was crawling on the floor to maintain, maintain his dignity. And I had crawled on the floor and lost my dignity. So why you're on the floor isn't good or bad, it's just what you're there for, you know? I was there for the wrong reason. He was there for the right reason. I was there because I didn't give a hoot about who I was and I didn't give a hoot about my dignity. He was there because he did give a hoot about his dignity. And in the process of doing that, once again, I found out that God has a, has a strange sense of humor because my ex-wife started coming to my house and I got to meet my husband-in-law, you know, and I... <laughs> and I... And, uh, and, and I thought, you know... Isn't this amazing? You know, isn't this amazing? And, and I, I have another boy who's, who's married to my granddaughter, and, she, and they came down to visit me over New Year's this year. And we were talking. And he said, you know, Dad, what I remember most about Keith was he burned the candle at both ends and was really ticked off there was no wick in the middle. You know, it's not how long you're here. It's what you do with the time you have here. Some people, very young, go out and do unbelievable things. They look much older than their years. Other folks are so busy trying to hold on to their years, they don't do anything, you know? I mean, I know people who are my age, and, you know, we're over the, we're getting like, we're seniors. We order from the senior menu now, you know? And their deal is, is like, you know, I can't go to a meeting on Tuesday night because this show is on, and I can't do that. Cause their whole life is routine, you know? Well, routine is as close as you can get to death. In fact, the best routine is just to die and lay down. That's, I mean, that's a great routine. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to figure out what you're going to do. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, this is about living one day at a time, getting out there and really kicking up your heels. And it doesn't really matter what comes next because this is it. This is the whole deal. You know, and you get a chance to go and laugh. And I don't know, if, if you're not in, a, in an environment where people are laughing and having fun, then change environments. <laughs> you know, like, real simple. Don't hang out with people who are always trying to figure out why things are so bad, you know. You know, we have a guy in our area, that, and I just don't hang out with him, but he describes life as a bucket of shit and the handles are on the inside. You know, I... <laughs> you know... I... I don't want to hang out with a guy like that, you know. I don't want to spend my days trying to tell him, you know, that's not the way life is. I go with guys who are out there having fun, who are laughing. Guys that are double parking, triple parking, you know. Like, uh, guys that have no idea what's going on, you know. They, they, you know, they think Moby Dick is a venereal disease. They just don't know. <laughs> they have no idea what's going on. But, but they're laughing a lot, you know. They're having a good time, you know. And they're sitting at meetings and they're, and they're talking into paper cups and they're, and they're doing all these things. And, and, you know, and they're making these faces at each other. And the, and the reality is, is they're into life. You know, they're into life. 
I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't want an extra day if I'm not going to use it. You know, I don't need extra days if I'm just, just going to sit around and do nothing. And thank God, that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is for me. It's no routine. One day I'm doing this, the next day I'm doing that. One day I'm with a guy who's, you know, I love being around alcoholics because they go through cycles. You know, one day it's like, I can't get a job, I can't get a job, I can't get a job, I can't get a job. And two weeks later it's like, I got a job, I got a job, I got a job. And then a month later it's, I hate this job, I hate this job, I hate this job. You know, I, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it just, we just go through cycles, you know. Or it's relationships, you know. Like, you know. I'll say no more, you get the message. You know, I, you know. <laughs> I mean, I go to weddings where the only thing they have in common is neither one of them were raised by wolves. I mean, you know, like I, it's like, uh, you know, it's like you say, what is going on here? But that's life, you know, and, and that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is. It's living this moment to the fullest. So I hope that you came here tonight with an open mind, and I hope you came here with the primary attitude of not getting anything out of this talk. And to that extent, I'll try to help you. You know, because the whole idea is to slow down and, and come to your own experiences. Do your own thing with life. Do exactly what the book suggests. Go and live it. And in the cost of living it, you'll find out what works for you. I, uh, I have been around and I've seen a lot of people come and go in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I have seen a lot of people come and go in my own life. You know, in, in talking to, in my own family, you know, I, I held my dad in my arms when he died of this disease, and I was just a kid. And I got to see a sister, two sisters and a brother die behind this thing. And, and I got to see uh, my son, I held him in, in my arms while he died. And I can tell you, this thing we call life is very, very fragile. You know, sometimes we think we're just going to have it forever. So if you have amends to make or anything to do, get busy doing it. You know, don't, don't put it off another day. And, and don't be mad at anybody because the only thing you're doing is wasting time, you know. Being mad, you know, so, you know it, uh, being resentful is like burning down your house to kill a mouse. You know, so it's, a, it's like, it, you know, it, it makes absolutely no sense, you know. And, and you see people say, well, if, if he doesn't talk to me, I won't talk to him. That's deep, yeah, 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 yeah. I say hello to everybody. I don't care whether they say hello back. I want to be in Alcoholics Anonymous, the best face for Alcoholics Anonymous that I can be. And I think to be that face, you have to be laughing. I think you have to be smiling. I think you have to look vulnerable. I think you have to look like you don't know so that people trust you with the fact that they don't know either, you know? People don't want to be telling you a whole lot of stuff if you look like you know everything, you know? And after a while, you know, I, I must be getting to be like an old-timer because the other day I found myself going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the reality of that was is that, you know, it's okay. I talk to my sponsor all the time. He still tells me, you know, like, uh, he, he still tells me a lot of good stuff. And I wouldn't hear that if I wasn't talking to him. If you don't have a sponsor, get one. If you're not going to meetings, go. If you don't have a home group attached somewhere so they know they can count on you, you know, be, become part of the thing. It's very hard to be part of something when you're not a part of it. You know, you watch people who make cameo appearances. You know, um, yeah, I'm here, but don't get used to me, you know. Uh, 
You know, you can't count on them to do anything because they're not able to be counting on themselves to do anything. I know you have a 13-step dance, so uh, I'll wind down now. Uh, you know, they'll be playing songs like I'm just two six-packs away from loving you, you know. Uh, <laughs> throw a saddle on the range, Mama. We're riding the range tonight, you know. I go, whatever. So this is good. This is good. And I, and I hope you get to laugh a little bit. And I hope that when you leave here, the one thing you do take is the plan of action. You know, action, action, action. That's what this is about. It's not thinking, 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 you know. And if you really want to scare yourself, I don't suggest this for people less than 10 years, but if you really want to scare yourself, take one day and every time you start a sentence with, I've been thinking, write it down. Just write a number. And see how much thinking you actually do in the course of a day. Particularly about stuff that no one gives a hoot about. And you're sharing it with people who wish you wouldn't share it with them, you know? In fact, they wish you did a lot less thinking and a lot more action, you know? It's kind of like the, the alcoholic who comes home from his first AA meeting and he says to his wife, Honey, do you fantasize when we're having sex? And she says, No, there's never enough time. You know, it's the, there are some realities we need to get. You know, like there are some realities we need to get. You know, and, and, and one of the realities we need to get is that this thing we call life is very fragile and we don't want to be wasting it. You know, and Alcoholics Anonymous is a program that enables us to do today what we could never do before. So I would say get on with it. I want to thank you for letting me come here. I'm going to tell you a quick little story and then I'm going to sit down. And that quick little story is, is that when I was a kid, we had a school teacher who took us to the Statue of Liberty when we were about fourth grade. And as we went through the Statue of Liberty, it was real dark and cold and damp and very little light. And in order to give us some courage, she had us grab hands with the people in back of us and the person in front of us. And as we went through there, no matter what we were thinking, we were locked in hand in hand with somebody. And it gave us a sense of belonging and courage. And when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, that's exactly what you guys did. You had me put one hand in God's and one hand in another alcoholic's, and it didn't leave me any hands to pick up a drink. I want to thank you for letting me come here. I love you much. I used to have a friend who came to my house who would, whenever he would enter my house, he was from India, he would put his hands together and he would say, Namaste, Ken. And Namaste simply means the God in me seeks the God in you. And as long as we're looking for the God in each other, we won't be seeing any of the other crap. God bless you.